Welcome to episode 386 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have regular contributor, farmer, winemaker, our resident philosopher, straight out of Stockbridge, Vermont, Almighty Todd. The Almighty and I discuss Zen and the art of working on your home, Murphy's Law, Entropy, the Confederate Flag, Autumn, Quiet Time, the Electoral College, and several other interesting areas of discourse. A grand conversation with Almighty Todd. We also have an EW essay titled Black Pickup and a piece from the September 14, 2020 New Yorker magazine by Anna Russell titled Department of Coping, Disaster Dishes, and a poem called Amsterdam. All of this, of course, as is always the case, will be imbued and infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 386 of Troubadours and Tours. It's a matter of... 
Black pickup. I am a privileged guy on a global scale and on a more local one too. I am not financially wealthy, but solidly middle class. I am of Southern Italian descent and thus have a bit of a tint to my otherwise Caucasian color. I am a heterosexual middle-aged man trying to navigate several fronts of mayhem, though within the comfort of a significantly safe and well-apportioned community. Though a number of those here on occasion tilt their heads and sneer, as we do have a mostly Catholic and Protestant Christian culture informing our societal veneer, so judgmental, just like me. As I visited my neighborhood independently owned small grocery store to purchase food for supper, mask on, my tween-aged children waiting in our beat-up family van, a black pickup truck brandishing a Confederate flag and a Trump Nation 1-2 drove through the parking lot while its human passengers yelled hyperbolic phrases that my sensibilities perceived as aggressive, ill-conceived, and divisive. My 12-year-old daughter came after me in the grocery store with her mask on, which accentuated a confusion and fear in those beautiful, young, innocent, open eyes. Her twin brother and another one of her brothers, just 13 months older, she told me, were yelling back at those guys. I looked out the window and all seemed more or less fine. The truck was moving on and the boy stayed in the van. I looked into her eyes again and smiled under my mask walked her to the cooler and said, Honey, pick out for us some soda pop.
Almighty Todd, is that you? I think so. Is that you, Conundrum? It is me. Yes, it is indeed. Almighty Todd, our resident philosopher. Yes, farmer, winemaker, straight out of Stockbridge, Vermont. How's it going? Ooh, man, long day. I hear you. Me too. Me <laughs> long too. Long day. They all seem to be really long these days. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> they are. They have been since March. This has been the longest decade of, in four years. <laughs> oh, it's been the longest decade in six months. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I guess yeah. we're still plugging around, uh, plugging along, still here, doing our thing, you know. Well, it's a good reminder, you know, at about how plastic time is. You know, people get, you know, get complacent thinking about how, you know, the, the seconds go by, tick, 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 tick. And it's kind of like this formula, standard formula. But, um, you know, it goes back to that saying about the you know a minute sitting on a hot stove feels a lot different than a, a minute get, you know cuddling with your sweetheart or however that <laughs> yeah exactly assuming you're not uh, a masochist yeah yeah right. Right. oh god if they could only turn it up a little bit more it was over so fast <laughs> can i have a longer than a minute please yes oh thank you sir may i have another <laughs> Yes, yeah, that reminds me of what was that? Was that uh, um, Animal, Animal House? House? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Almighty Tower, we dive that. right in. I love it. Uh, so you know, um, Zen and the art of working on your home. Oh yeah, the do-it-yourself thing. Oh, if there were ever a double-edged sword, it is home ownership. It is the uh, the illusion that. Uh, you don't have a landlord because the bank, <laughs> the bank doesn't come and look around as much as the landlord does <laughs> in terms right. of managing your mortgage. I mean, but although there can be the day that comes when you pay it all off and it, it's yours, but it it takes a certain level of maintenance. And when you're you know living in an apartment or a, a rented house, and you know you can say, hey, the roof's leaking, you call somebody else up and it gets taken care of that's uh that's one thing but uh when you're the landlord and the tenant then you have to take some responsibility for <laughs> for things that yeah are going on about around you and above you <laughs> and below you <laughs> yeah yeah i often take the eh, yeah we'll get to that yeah maybe maybe we'll see maybe it'll and I think at some level, maybe it'll just fix itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or it, it won't get too much worse. But that's one of uh, Murphy's laws. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that before. I gotta look this up quick because I want to get the I want to get the terminologies right. But you you know the the normal Murphy's law. Yeah, I which do. is go ahead. Right, I think it pretty much goes along the lines of uh, anything that can go wrong will. Yes. And at the least opportune time. Yes. Yeah, that's the way I remember Murphy's Law hearing it. Yes. Yeah. But there's uh, there's another portion of it that is uh, goes something along like 
left to, to their own, you know, left on their own, things will go from bad to worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's basically that's basically uh, just uh, nature, right? That's that's uh, entropy. Entropy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, living in this old farmhouse, farmstead here, you know, the the building, the main building we're in and we've been fixing up is a 1913 building. So it's still fairly young given the neighborhood, but the the L that goes out to the barn, it's we call it the L now, but it was the original house. That was an 1840 building and it was one of the first buildings in the in the area here. Wow. And uh, I mean, you know the place. You've been. You've been here. It's beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful. It's you know bucolic. It's kind of um, very rural. But the crazy part is, I just was you know had a planning commission meeting where somebody, uh, a retired pastor of the local church, wants to uh, see if he can get a national historic designation for Gaysville, because there was a time in the late 1800s, early 1900s, where there was a village of 1,500 people. Right where the bridge was, mm-hmm. or the where the bridge is now, and uh, it was thriving. There was a seven-story uh, button mill that eventually turned into a power plant. It was one of the first energy generation plants up in this, you know, in the whole region. Um, it was thriving until the flood of twenty-seven, which wiped the whole thing out. And now you've got the 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 less, the much less than we had before. And that was an autumn storm, given that you wanted to talk about autumn a little bit. Yeah. That happened in November. The flood of 27? Yeah. And it was, I mean, it devastated a lot of the, the Northeast, up, I think even up the Mid-Atlantic. There was quite a bit of uh, flooding from it. But uh, here, it just happened to dump a lot of rain on semi-frozen ground. And that was at a time when the state was fairly denuded of, of uh, forest land. So the runoff was... An, incredible because of the timber industry yes well also um the sheep like basically right up through the civil war and until maybe a decade or two afterwards when it started to decline if i remember correctly um the much of the state had been raised in to make sheep pasture so um and there was quite a bit of woolens that came out of vermont to go to the union army wow um, and so once the war was over, then, then the economy changed. Um, what are you moving? I hear all kinds of stuff. Like you're flipping your pocket knife and moving your microphone. Oh, am I? Oh, it's probably just me sliding around in my chair. Fidgety. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm fidget spinning in my, uh, my chair. Oh, remember those things? They went out of style. Fidget spinners? It, yeah, in and out pretty quick. But yeah. You were saying somebody, that. Somebody made a buck on that. They oh, did. Yeah. They did. I didn't mean to interrupt the, the great uh, mm. history you were sharing. Sheep and wool to the soldiers during the Civil War, the Union soldiers, of course, because the Confederate soldiers were traitors. And anybody who, by the way, is driving around with a Confederate flag in your trunk, truck, what the hell are you thinking? They oh. were treasonist. They were traitors. And you're waving it as if that's the way to be a patriotic American. It is not. Just wanted yeah, to say it's, that it's I a short-lived needed, flag. I needed to say it. I'm seeing it around yeah. my own neighborhood. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, we've got it up here. Actually, uh, Vermont Public Radio did a, a brave little state episode. People send in questions, and then people vote on which questions should be answered, and then they do a segment on it. And they did one about why are there people in Vermont who fly the Confederate flag. And they did some interviews, and it was very uh, enlightening and interesting. What did you find out? So much, why did they do it? Do that some people don't understand their history, and they 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 want to uh, behave as racists but claim not to be racists, which is just fascinating to me. But why? It's, like, why not? You know, if that's what you want to do, then stand up for it. Not claim that you're not and be it. Yeah. But. It's so adolescent. It's so adolescent. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, it's just it's 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 yeah. It's not fully formed cognitive processes. No, as far as, no. from my perspective. No, and you know um, the reason it's uh, it's so fresh in my mind. I don't mean to go there. You were just having a nice talk about the history. You mentioned wool. Well, going we were going to gonna, we were going to go there anyways. We you wanted to talk about the electoral college and it's yes. it's, it's deeply seated in this whole thing. So it is. It is. Uh, by the way, I think the electoral college has to go, but. Uh, before we get there, I, I was at uh, you know a local shopping plaza to get. Uh, it, it's a very um, you know uh, how do I put it? it? It's it's a small independently owned supermarket in Delhi, and mm -hmm. uh, they have fresh food, fr fresh vegetables. A really you know healthy place. And okay, so you're not in a food desert. No, no, it's an independently owned little place. Uh, that it costs more, of course, because everything is is done right, and um, you know you yep. pay more for all that. And I'm I'm privileged enough to be able to have that extra couple of bucks, or at least I think I I have it, but I don't. Uh, well, it, even if it's it's just it's conscientious investing in your community. That's the and, way I look at it. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to go to McDonald's with the kids. We had a first day of school, you know, and, and oh. we're busy. So I said, instead of going to McDonald's, I could probably feed all of them. You know, we have a bunch for about 30 bucks, 35 bucks. I'll, mm -hmm. go, to, I'll go to this little place and get some, some healthy food. and It'll probably cost me, you know, 50, 55 bucks. Right. It costs you 70, 75 in the end, right? <laughs> no, it cost me 59 and uh, okay. that was for, for, for sandwiches and, you know, drinks and a little dessert, everything. Uh, but my point is, my I wouldn't I went in there with my my uh, by myself. I let, I let the kids in the van because you don't want to be two mm -hmm. people going in the place. I have my mask on, right. what have you? And my daughter comes in a little scared. She has her mask on. She's she's eleven because there were guys in the parking lot with the truck waving a Trump flag and a Confederate flag, saying, "What did Biden ever do for us? Donald Trump, he's our you know." And just yammering on, and she got nervous about this. And one of my sons, who's twelve, is like, "What's wrong with you?" So I had to like you know. Temper that situation. Yeah. Uh, these guys mm -hmm. were grown men. Yeah. Well. Well, physically, they were physically adult human, you know, male specimens. <laughs> but I really have come to believe that a lot of the support for this uh, avatar in Washington is that there are a lot of people that are basically emotionally and cognitively delayed in their, their development for what humans are potentially able to do. And there's a lot of middle school and high school age processing that's baked in to 50 and 60-year-old bodies. Well, 30, 40, 50. Well, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you pick the number. But the point is it stopped at a certain point. Yeah, yeah. And it did not continue. And in terms of cognitive development, 
So many, though. It's amazing. Said, well, well, that's that's what we're dealing with. I mean, that's, or you know, the education system is not built to over, you know, to overthrow those in charge. It's not built to educate people to overcome their situation. That for sure. Uh, I guess their situation you're saying is what their home life, their community, what, both, whatever their their outlook on the world of what's possible. Individuals can kind of come to that realization themselves through a, ver- a variety of influences, but in general, the, the scholastic structure doesn't really uh, provide that for people. Um, and certainly, and I'm not saying that then. Oh no, charter schools would be better because that's those are just no potential indoctrination camps. Definitely, and that's also another way to I, se- I hate segregate. Not to be so blunt, but that's. They are. They are that. And it's also another way to, you know, put the gated community in the school system, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and take our federal take our tax dollars to fund them. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so back to let, let's get it because I, I'm starting to feel like we're getting too ugly here and I don't want people. Yeah. To, yeah. OK. You, well, yeah. You, you're the host. You run the. You yeah. Run the show. Well, but this is I your just, segment. No, no. I no. answer your questions. No, no. You're more. <laughs> you're a resident philosopher. Almighty Todd. And you were you know, we were getting into. Autumn, I guess, right? And we were going to get into Electoral College. You, you want to talk about Autumn still? We were talking about the flood of 1927. I think maybe, yeah, let's just think of, like, like, let's break it up. We'll talk about Autumn for a second. And I'm going to read you, since I'm not going to read it in the original Chinese because... Um, no one will that, understand. No but, one will understand. Well, some people might. Well, we and, do have... And, I, and, anybody, and yeah. anybody that did would then probably have issues with my pronunciation. I'm sure we have uh, Chinese listeners, so yes, I shouldn't have said that. I would no. hope so. We do. Chinese speakers would be great. But so anyways, this is I'm gonna read you Autumn Air by Li Po. And I assume that this is a couple this is a thousand years old or more, so it's beyond copyright. So here. In brisk autumn air, the moon glows orange bright. Falling leaves swirl and tangle blown by gusts pursuing gusts. Over and over, a roosting jackdaw flutters up in alarm. Separated, each of us broods how long, till eyes set eyes on the other. Till then, every day embitters, and every night starts tears. Mm. Someone, is someone shaking bells in the background? That was nice. Uh, that oh yeah, that's uh, that would be um, it's probably one of the dogs. That was beautiful. Red on, Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Red on cue. So that that was Autumn Years by Autumn Air by Lee Po. Autumn Air by Lee Po. How do I pronounce the author's name? Or how do I spell it? L I P O. L I P O. Lee Po. Excellent. Autumn Air by uh, Lee Po. And it's about a thousand years old. Uh, well, maybe I'll have to have to look into that. That was beautiful. Now, Autumn, to you, uh, what does it bring to mind? Bring to heart? Bring to soul? Well, for me, it's it, it is kind of a nostalgic time. Um, it reminds me of my grandparents a lot, and some of the things we used to do together. This time of year, putting up vegetables and sauce and pickles cutting wood for the following year, going out to um, a farm down in Schoharie, New York, where any of the stuff that we didn't grow in our garden, we could get there. We'd pick up a whole bunch of cauliflower and squash. Um, 
it was kind of like uh, the beginning of the the Huga season. You know, this uh, Scandinavian concept of uh, just coziness and bringing it in close hmm. to the hearth. Because I feel like you know we we grew up pretty simply and we didn't have a lot. Of, there was no extravagance whatsoever. So f- hanging out with family was about the extent of our major excitements. And so hanging around fireplaces and food was a big deal. And bringing in the, the all the staples from the garden was also like a really just uh, in, in retrospect a really important part of the fabric of the family. Um, that I'm really grateful for. It, it gave me kind of a just a grounding in terms of what it takes to be on the earth and uh, keep yourself going. And sure, you can buy all the stuff you need from the store, but this goes to this DIY concept: is that you know, if there is stuff you can do for yourself, and that time spent doing it isn't counted as like a loss i mean for some people that time spent is time there's you can't get paid for any to do anything in that time so you might as well use it to produce food for yourself but in the modern age i mean i guess you could think the tim ferris method i think that's what his name is you know the 40 minute work week or whatever where outsource everything don't spend any of your time doing stuff that's below your pay grade um i don't know i think there's a lot to be said for engaging in what people might call menial work um, just from a point of personal humility that this is what it takes to do this kind of thing but also um, that it can be entertaining and educational so that time spent you know in your own garden or working on your own house rather than spending money on somebody else to do it while you spend money on watching sitting so you can spend that time watching something on Netflix. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's, there's not a trade off there. A trade off as in if you want to have, (laughs) yeah, it's like, it's maybe not the most economically efficient route per se, but there are other benefits that accrue that like a lot of the capitalist system don't get taken into account. You know, we yeah. tend to not, or at least in, in the capitalists, we don't take into account the risks and re- residual and um, kind of like deficit parts of things. Well, like I think how much it costs to, to do away with that vehicle once it's ended its life cycle. Nobody factors that into the price. How much it costs for the maybe the natural environment? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the value of the natural environment, as an example, to be able to handle uh, it, taking that that waste. Uh, you know, we we don't value that uh, often. That's not part of the capitalistic way. You know, the the river handling the the effluent or the right just the, dump it in the river. Right. We don't we don't value that monetarily. We don't factor it in to our our uh, accounting. You know, uh, book. No, it so, goes towards profit margin, and that's because. The kind of capitalist system that we practice here and people, certain people hold up is that it is based on exploitation fundamentally. Yes. And it, and it always has been. Yes. I mean, and that goes back to your electoral college that was originally set up so that a few states in the south could get 
credit for the people that they had in slavery. But those people didn't get a vote in the popular vote. No. And, and you know, the whole electoral college, get back to that, but I, I, I'll get to that. But I do want to mention, you know, you're saying how we view things in our capitalistic mindset uh, and we don't value certain aspects of like maybe menial quote-unquote tasks uh, because, you know, they don't economically benefit us uh, and, so, you know, and maybe they're a waste of time. Uh, but really what we don't value is the beauty of spending time doing something like raking the leaves, uh, ironing a shirt, uh, fixing a squeaky door, Things like that, things that most everybody could do. Um, you know, we, we, we look at it as a pain in the tuchus, you know, a, a waste of time, right. uh, you know, something that is just uh, not worthy of uh, our attention. But in a way, it's, it's a connection to, to the rhythms and to the, the necessary, uh, to, you know, attention that has to oh, be paid exactly. to your day to day. And, and we're living in a golden age where, you know, if there's something you need, need to do, you can go find a YouTube video. To show you how to do it. I mean, I had a, a the fan in the in the element, the Honda Element, that you turn on, and, you know, blows your your heater, blower, and your defroster. Mm-hmm. It was going whack, 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 whack. It was it was it was dying. It was having a hard time. I was like, oh, geez, I'm gonna have to replace this. Well, I found a video. Nice lady went went through the whole thing, took hers out, put it back in. I was like, oh, I can do that. Went and got one at the hardware at the parts store they actually had one on on site and you know an hour later it's working and yeah yeah. and and that would have been you know an an hour job at the shop plus the part plus the markup so yeah i guess like maybe i could have done something else or been you know getting paid to use my time elsewise and had somebody else to do it but then there's the logistic handling just was like it was much more enjoyable to to complete that task myself, and 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 you're you know, you're soothing and you're 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 uh, n- nurturing your soul, your mm-hmm. and your mind, uh, and, and if Anytime you know, you do and that's priceless. Like that, you're creating new neural pathways, exactly, and that's priceless. And so, in a way, you're selling your soul. You're selling the the wondrousness of your mind, its capability for. What you know, you're selling it. You're just saying, "I will give up doing these things. I won't give these these uh, tasks their due, uh, and I will just make sure I keep uh, working to to make that extra money to put into the bank." And that's what really matters. Uh, I you know, I'm, and it goes even to like spending time with your loved ones. I do right. this. I'm guilty of this all myself, and I'm ashamed to say. Uh, you know, I, I get preoccupied with projects outside of my family. And it takes me away from spending time with my family. And what 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 am I selling? What you know? What am I giving up? What is the trade off, as you called it earlier, uh, in, in that exchange? Uh, you know, and and we all accept it because it is our culture. It is our mindset in this capitalistic world, in this capitalistic country. Capitalism's nice uh, to a certain extent. There are pluses to it. You know, a lot of things come out of it. A lot of great uh, inventions and discoveries. Uh, and I guess you could say we oh, we progressed, absolutely. but we get, we've gotten too f- caught up with the negative aspects and and too obsessed with with it entirely as the way to be. Or yeah, or at least there's the zero sum gain, right? 
right. aspect of it that really just makes it toxic and poisonous for anybody in the in the system. And that goes, and, yeah, that goes back to some of the mindsets we were talking about earlier, right? You know, uh, with regard to uh, following forty-five and thinking that piece of you know, is, is, is worth your support, <laughs> worth putting uh, a flag in your front yard over because for some reason you buy into his approach as being American, as being something that, how could you? And this is not even political. I know, I guess you'll, people will say it is political. No, it's not. This guy is a, not a good person. Doesn't respect anybody. No one. Not even himself. Not no, nobody. Well, and this and this is the thing. You know, it's we've talked about this before. I really think it has. It's come down to this like sports f- fanaticism mindset, where it's just like you're on one team or the other. You're either the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees, and you're then you you can't you cannot cannot even conscience thinking like the other side. No matter what you're, you know, and even if your side does something that really shouldn't have, you cannot back down from supporting them. And it's, it, it really is a very grade school playground mindset. It is uh, almighty Todd, but it's not even about that so much. It's not about, I'm just going to support my person, my, you know, my candidate. This person is vile, vile. As a vile well, human being, we're talking about well, he. But and this is where, unfortunately, he actually represents a certain portion of our populace, who, like it or not, wish to be able to exist in the same framework that he does, and and be not beholden to any rules, not have to behave in socially appropriate ways. I mean, this this is the reality. I mean, he, he's nothing compared to the the avatar of the ugly American that he represents. Yeah, and that's not going away after an election. No, no. I think it was a perfect storm to a certain extent for for him. Uh, I I do like to think he is going to you know I need to think that he's going to lose. Um, uh, but we'll see, we'll see. And, you know, the electoral college, again, that's a big part of it because I am certain that if it's about the popular vote, based on what I've been reading and researching about the popular vote, the other guy will win. No doubt. I'm not concerned about that. Oh, yeah. If it was about but the popular He's got to win enough of the popular vote to then get across the line with the electoral exactly. college. Exactly. You know, it can't be 2%. 5% is even hard. It's got to be more than 5%, a margin in the popular vote, from my understanding. And, of yeah. course, it's got to be within those those uh, Rust Belt states, one of which is the state I live in. You know, Pennsylvania, you can eat Wisconsin, Michigan, you know, Ohio. Um, the, those states... He he has to do well, and and you know when you go to the when you go to the, the electoral college, back to that you know, it there's a movement, and there's only there are only several states that have signed on to this, but many are contemplating that it's called the National Popular Vote Bill. 
which basically would, uh, when a state subscribes to this, because you're not going to get a constitutional amendment to get rid of the electoral no. college. But it, this is a way to do it state by state, where if you sign on to the national popular vote bill at the state level, then what you're what you're saying is your state will give its electoral college to whichever candidate has the, the national popular vote. And it doesn't matter if your state in a, in a plural. It, plura, well, in it's a, interesting because I, I, it sounds like from what I've read, it's like the uh, the problem is more the winner takes all issue. Yeah, is that you know you could you could be over by four hundred votes in one district, and then all the electoral votes in the state go to a candidate, as opposed to more clearly representing what the popular. You know, in a fifty-fifty or pretty close to fifty-fifty split, it goes all one way. That doesn't really accurately reflect the one person, one vote model. No, and I'm and maybe I'm not understanding the national popular uh, vote bill, but it sounds to me that that doesn't that doesn't either. You know, because if a state wants one way, and now they're going to give all their electoral uh, college votes to the other person, the other way. That doesn't seem fair either to that state. Maybe I'm not. I have to. I have to research this a bit more. But I, yeah, I, I was thinking I need to do the same thing because the, you know, the whole system has gone through a number of changes over the years, and even after the Thirteenth Amendment outlawed slavery, the and got rid of a bunch of the uh, kind of like the windfall votes associated with those extra bodies that didn't have voting privilege. Mm-hmm. The system was still messed up. Such that in uh, 1876, Samuel Tilden won the popular vote, but there was a dispute over some electoral votes in Florida, hanging chads Hmm. and all. Hmm. Gore Bush. And the commissions that were set up to resolve the whole thing awarded the votes to Rutherford B. Hayes who had lost the popular vote. And so this has happened a number of times. And part of what happened out of that was the Compromise of 1877, where the federal government moved out of the South and stopped protecting black voters. Hmm. Nice history lesson. You're a resident philosopher, but also... Oh, yeah, I'm I'm getting on somebody else's turf. Surf William, but that's good. This is good. (laughs) <laughs> he gets philosophical too so he gets into your turf as well it's all right you guys are both uh almighty tower we're just about out of time and we're gonna have to do some more research on this the next time we talk the election i believe would be over i'm not sure it'll be close we might talk before the election but i'm thinking it'll be after the election but then again if mail-in ballots and the postal system are a factor we might be uh not knowing on november 4th or third no uh we might have to wait a couple months who knows but let me ask you real quickly, uh, not who you hope, but who do you think is going to win the presidential uh, uh, position in the United States of America? Uh, you know, frankly, if, if reality held, which it's, it's having a hard time holding right now. We didn't ever get to talking about the nature of truth, which I'm just as happy not to because that was that's a deep subject. But if if truth and humanity reigns then uh the 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 hometown boy from scranton should be in charge and uh there'll be a uh resignation 
and a quick pardon of all potential charges. That's my prediction. All right, Almighty Tal, we'll check and see. I hope you're right, except for the pardon part. But I oh, it's you know, if it goes that way, that's got to happen. I mean, there's, it's it's a smoke bomb. Let's do it. Lock him up. Lock him up. <laughs> Lock him up. Everybody. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to do a short talk when we get closer to the, uh, to the to the time, I'd be more than happy to talk to you again. I mean, we, we'll talk anyways, but. Um, yeah. Anyways, gird yourself for uh, the the autumn leaves, which are upon us. Go hit your farmers markets, that the ones that are open. Wear your mask. S- support your local providers of uh, produce and crafts, and uh, start packing it in. Ants and grasshoppers and all that stuff. It's um, whether we like it or not. The the quiet time is coming. So wrap, wrap up your stuff. Labor Day is the signal to get the work done. Almighty Todd, it's always a pleasure. Grazie, fratello. Talk to you soon. Ciao, brother. Ciao. He's unhinged. He's going to kill us all. This is an SOS from the USA. Location all the way from the Atlantic to the Pacific. SOS! SOS! Mayday! 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 Hit rough water that day Someone gave the bridge up To the scoundrel Donald Trump My blood crawled Things start to fall Hold my head as the sailors fall Captain The ship is sinking Captain These seas are rough Rocket children up in cages Dogs whistling your races How low can we go? Shall we abandon ship? Or shall we sit on it? And perish slow We don't know We don't know Captain, you tell me what to do Shall we sit on it 
And Terry Slow, we don't know. We don't know. Captain, you tell me what to do. And now something from the September 14, 2020 edition of the New Yorker magazine from the Department of Coping, Disaster Dishes by Anna Russell. In 2011, Don Moyer, a retired graphic designer, inherited a blue willow plate from his grandmother. Moyer lives in Pittsburgh on Mount Washington and draws every day. I got this plate and I was studying it, and I really kind of liked it, he said. The design was very busy, like doodling. No place was at rest. He sketched the familiar scene in his notebook, willow tree, bridge, pagoda. At the end, for no particular reason, he added a small pterodactyl. He drew another version with flying monkeys descending from the sky. He drew one with zombie poodles and one with giant frogs. Then he had the drawings made into blue and white porcelain plates, like his grandmother's. When people started buying them, he formed a company, Calamity Wear. During the pandemic, sales at Calamity Wear have soared. In May, the company sold as much as it would in a typical holiday month, with customers especially drawn to a mug titled Things could be worse. The mug is our biggest seller, Lynette Kelly, the firm's business manager, said. Kelly and her husband, Jack, who is in charge of marketing and the website, are Calamity Ware's only employees besides Moyer. They live 20 minutes down the road. When face masks became mandatory in some states, they sold out of the bandanas that Moyer had been making. Dragons eating pizza, robot uprisings. That was just dumb luck, said Jack. The Things Could Be Worse mug features an array of disasters on the traditional blue willow background. There's a Sasquatch on a decorative bridge, a UFO, and a blob monster menacing a pagoda. Each mug comes with a card. Everyone has bad days. You lose your keys, you lose your job, you lose your superpowers, it reads. This mug helps you cope with hard times by reminding you that things could be much worse. You could also be pursued by giant robots, plagued by pterodactyls, pestered by zombie poodles, and worse. Cheer up. Sue Schock, an editorial assistant in New London, New Hampshire, found the mug online while researching a blue willow pattern that she remembered from a children's book. When the calamity actually hit, I thought, oh my God, this is perfect, she said. She bought a mug for each of her three grown children who live in different places. I sent them a note that said, now we can all be drinking our tea or coffee with the same mug, thinking it could be worse. On family quarantine nights on Zoom, she sometimes fills hers with a rum daiquiri. 
Valissa Johnson, a librarian in Greensboro, North Carolina, found Calamity Ware on Facebook while checking on relatives. Johnson collects China. I thought, oh, this is so cute and witty. The whole idea of how bad could it get, she said. During the next few weeks, her library shut down and the restaurant where her husband works closed. When her Things Could Be Worse mug arrived, she was at her parents' house helping them prepare for the lockdown. It was a moment of, wow, it's scary and it's weird, but look how bad it could be, she said. Amanda Wheeler and Riley Jennings, who live in Washington Heights in Manhattan, received a Things Could Be Worse mug as a wedding gift. They had planned to marry in front of their friends and family in October, but they moved the date up when New York began shutting down. An ordained friend officiated from his fourth floor window while they stood on the sidewalk. A few days later, the mug showed up. We were stoked, Wheeler said. It's just like, no matter how bad things are, you could be getting chased by a giant frog right now. Recently, on a video call at home in Pittsburgh, Moyer held up a side plate featuring a giant snail crushing an ornate garden. He's a true pessimist, Lynette had said earlier. He showed off some recent designs, apes and aliens waiting at airport security, a print of angry paisley swirls called peeved paisleys, studies for a stink eye. The intent is always to try to make myself laugh, he said, before signing off. He was working on a sea monster puzzle and had to go. You can't boast about your riches. Everywhere someone's a man. You can go round cheating people by some trickery or plan. You can't tell lies on your neighbor. Thinking no one will ever know. But as sure as you are living, you've got to reap just what you sow. You've got to reap just what you sow. Yes, you've got to reap just what you sow. On the mountain, oh, in the valley, you've got to reap just what you sow. Yes, you can inconvenience others to make things easy for yourself. You can steal some poor man's idea and accumulate great wealth. But here's one thing that's gonna happen. It's been tried and proven for. All the wrong that you are doing, you've got to reap just what you sow. You've got to reap just what you sow. Yes, you've got to reap just what you sow. On the mountain, oh, in the valley, you've got to reap just, just what you sow. Take every advantage 
of a fellow man that's down. You can take somebody's heartstrings and drag them on the ground. You can't hide other people just because you're having luck. Even double cross your best friend and then try to pass the buck. But here's one thing that's gonna happen. Makes no difference where you go. Just before your final curtain, you've got to reap just what you sow. Amsterdam, B-L-M-N-O-P-E, spells racism and fear, deep. Almighty Todd is a living man, originally from New Amsterdam, just outside of Albany. And you, me, him, us, them, we work with our stead in tow to live and transcend.
there you have it. Episode 386 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, Almighty Todd, and writer Anna Russell, The New Yorker magazine, as well as these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, Crew de Groove, David Joe Hansen, Catherine Russell, Shelby Lynn, Branford Marsalis, and of course Terrence Blanchard too. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and try to do our best with this time. Take care. <laughs>